Hello, welcome to Mule Mountain Messages, sermons from the pulpit of the Community Church of Warren in historic Bisbee, Arizona. At the Community Church of Warren, our heart is to build a Christian family as we contend earnestly for the faith, which was once for all delivered to the saints. We desire to exalt our Savior, Jesus Christ, equip the saints for the work of the ministry, and evangelize the lost with the loving and life-saving gospel message. We are located at 201 Arizona Street in Bisbee, Arizona. Our services are Sunday mornings at 10.30 and Wednesday prayer at 5.30. For more information, call 520-432-4722. We invite you to come and join our family. Okay. Well, you guys all remember Watergate, right? You know, the Watergate was a hotel, okay, and apartments and hotel in Washington. And so the Watergate Hotel in Washington, there was a honeymoon couple that decided to go stay there uh, for their honeymoon. But the bride, you know, being a student of history, she was worried in case the place was still bugged. And so she asked her new husband to search the room thoroughly. And he looked behind the curtains, he looked under the bed and in the wardrobe, and finally under the rug. And there beneath the rug, he found a mysterious disc with four screws. So using his Swiss Army knife, he undid the screws and threw it out the window just in case. Well, the following morning, as they checked out of the room, the hotel manager asked, well, how was your room? How was the service? How was your stay at the Watergate Hotel? Why so many questions, said the groom. Well, said the manager, the room under you complained that their chandelier fell in on them. (laughs) Well, have you ever been in a situation, I think most of us have, where you knew you had to do something, you weren't looking forward to it, but you knew you had to do it anyway. You know, you, have, you got nervous, you got anxious, and uh, I don't know, maybe for some of them, not me, but for some of you, maybe this thing was so difficult that your life depended on it. I don't know, maybe an operation or something. But whatever it was, you didn't have any choice but to carry it out. And you know, that's really never a fun situation to be in. But that's kind of the situation which we find Jacob today as we continue our look through the book of Genesis. And if you remember, Jacob, when we left him, he had left Laban's camp without saying anything to anybody. Uh, God had told him to go, and he didn't tell Laban. He just left. He tried to sneak out. Well, he had a three-day start, but uh, even with that, Laban eventually caught up to him, and then Laban had a dream which God said, don't touch him, leave him alone. So with that warning, they eventually parted ways peacefully, if not on friendly terms, at least it was peaceful. So now Jacob was on his own, and he was setting out to return home in honor or in in obedience to God and what God had told him. But he didn't know what kind of reception he was going to get when he got back home because you got to remember when he left those many years 20 years before 
Esau had promised to kill him. Esau was gunning for him. Esau was out looking for him. And Jacob really didn't know how Esau felt at this time. But God had made it clear Jacob and his family were to return. And so Jacob started out on the road to home. Now in our scripture today, somewhere not too long after Jacob started his journey, the Bible tells us the angels of God met Jacob. Now we don't know how this occurred. If you remember when Jacob was on his way to Laban's, he had the dream, right? And the dream of the staircase and he saw the angels coming and going. Um, so I don't know if he had a dream or if he just had an encounter. It almost sounds like it was an encounter with the angels. But whatever way it happened, it encouraged and excited Jacob. Just like he was encouraged and excited when he had those um, angels, when he had that dream of the angels before. You see, God at just the right moment encouraged Jacob. And he encouraged him with a reminder that Jacob was on his task was carrying out his assignment. He was fulfilling God's plan. And God, who never changes and is always faithful, reminded Jacob that he was with him in a powerful way. Now, some versions in, uh, record this encounter as saying that Jacob met with the host of the Lord or with the army of God. So there was a lot of angels there. In fact, when Jacob named the place Mahanaim, sounds about right, I don't know how you say it, but it means two encampments, like an encampment for him and an encampment for the Lord's host, the host of the Lord. So there was a lot of angels there. And God, it was kind of like, I don't know if you remember in 2 Kings, when Elijah was surrounded by the Syrian army. And it was just him and his servant. And the servant says, you know, we're in trouble. You know, we, it's just us. And there's all these soldiers out there. And, and Elijah prayed. And he said, open the eyes of my servant so that he would see. And when he did, he saw that there were horses and chariots of fire all around. So God was with him. God's army was with him. And really this passage here reminds us, that, reminds us that if God gives us a task, though it may seem difficult, he will be with us. Whatever that task may be. Maybe it's to talk to your neighbor. Maybe it's to, uh, I don't know, go to Africa. Whatever the task may be. Um, it, even though it may seem difficult, God will be with us. And it may be difficult, but we can be successful, not of our own strength, but because of God's strength and God's faithfulness. He may not show us angels, even though angels are still at work today, right? Psalm 91.11 says, For he shall give his angels charge over you, to keep you in all your ways. I do believe angels are still at work around us today. I believe this verse here almost says that you have your own guardian angel. God will never leave you high and dry. 
Never. Do you need encouragement today? Do you need encouragement for something that God has appointed you to do? God will speak to you. God will encourage you. He may not send an angel like he did to Jacob, but he has sent his word, has he not? And I want you to be to encourage you to be reading and studying the Bible. That's where God speaks to you. That's where God encourages you. I don't know how many times, and I always say I need to start taking, you know, keeping a diary or something, a journal. But I don't know how many times I've been reading God's word and he's just spoken that word of encouragement to me that I needed at the most. And I think for anybody that's been walking with the Lord for a while would say the same thing. J.I. Packer, who's one of the foremost theologians, theologians of the 20th century, says, The healthy Christian is not necessarily the extrovert, the ebullient Christian, but the Christian who has a sense of God's presence stamped deep on his soul, who trembles at God's word, who lets it dwell in him richly by constant mediation and meditation upon it, who tests and reforms his life daily in response to it. So you read God's word and, and he speaks to you and then you respond. That's the healthy Christian. I really don't believe that we can grow or succeed as a believer if we ignore God's word. I really don't. But we cannot fail if we lean on Christ and his word. So Jacob was encouraged, was emboldened to continue on. But he also wanted to hedge his bets a little bit. So he sent some messengers out. And he sent them out to say, all right, let Esau know that I'm coming. He wanted to gauge what Esau's mood would be. He wanted to gauge what... Uh, Kind of what kind of reception he could be expecting. Would Esau still be angry or would he be welcoming? Now there may be here a reluctance on Jacob's part to totally trust in God. A hesitation to completely put his life in God's hands. And, but he's human. Okay? It happens. And... Esau, when he sent out his messengers, he told them, he said, tell them about all the animals I have and all the people I got and all the servants I got. You know, now I think he, uh, Jacob was thinking, well, this will impress Esau. Maybe this will help him to see, hey, his little, his brother is, uh, is doing well or whatever. But really what we got to be careful with is that we cannot and we should never try to hedge our bets when trusting in God. We just need to trust him all the way. God said, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Jeremiah says, blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord and whose confidence is in him. 
And in 2 Timothy it says, Yes, and the Lord will deliver me from every evil attack and will bring me safely into His heavenly kingdom. All glory to God forever and ever. Amen. All glory to God. Jacob wasn't quite there yet. He wanted to hinge his bets a little bit. So he sent his messengers out. And lo and behold, when they returned, he was pretty excited. He wanted to know, I'm sure, what did you meet Esau? What was he doing? What did he say? And and uh, and the messengers like, yeah, we caught up with him. And yeah, and oh, by the way, he's going to come meet you with 400 armed men. And he's like, ooh. Then the alarm bells went off and the panic starts setting in. Jacob jumps straight to the conclusion that Esau means to attack and kill him. So he takes his eyes off God. Momentarily, he took his eyes off God and he put him directly on his circumstance. And when you do that, that's a recipe for trouble. So Jacob devises this plan. He divides his caravan. He's thinking, hey, you know what? If one gets attacked, the other one can escape. Well, whenever we take our eyes off of God, it usually doesn't end very well. We're encouraged in Colossians chapter 3 to t- that if we are raised in new life in Christ, if we're believers, then we are to think on things of heaven, not on things of earth. We're to constantly keep our eyes on God in all situations. Jacob eventually... And finally comes to remember God and he prays. He says, O God of my father Abraham and God of my father Isaac, the Lord who said to me, return to your country and to your family, I will deal well with you. He reminds God of what God had told him. He reminds God, as if God needs reminding, that... He is on God's journey. But Jacob, to his credit, at least remembered to go to God, right? He didn't get so panicky that he forgot totally about God. He didn't get so panicky that he turned everybody around and tried to outrun him. He went to God. But how often have we waited to call on God? only after exhausting all our efforts, decide to cry out to him. I know, I like I've told you guys before, these sermons are usually for me, and I just kind of let you guys listen in. You know, I don't know how many times I have, I'm in a situation, and i got to try to figure it out all by myself. i got to do it. And then eventually it's like, oh, okay, I'll let you help me, God. You know, and God's up there just shaking his head. You know, but... Uh, Of course, God in his great mercy with Jacob or myself, he doesn't come back on me and say, oh, so now you want me. You know, you can't handle that battery in the car by yourself, huh? Now you want me. And trust me, I've had a lot of batteries go out. So, but, uh, and it's never go out at a decent time, right? No, he hears the cries of his people. He hears the cries of his children. He hears the cries of those, as Colossians says, have been raised in new life in Christ. 
And today he hears the cries of our brothers and sisters in Afghanistan who are going through horrendous things. He hears the cries of the persecuted in Nigeria and China and North Korea. In North Korea where almost the whole country is starving. And he'll hear your cry. He'll hear your cry when times are hard, when times are desperate, and when life seems to come crashing down around you. He hears your cry. He is faithful. If you're in a difficulty today, I want to encourage you to hold on to him, to cry out to him, to seek him with all your heart and trust in him with the outcome. But what about those who haven't been raised to new life in Christ? He'll hear your cry to give your heart to him. He'll hear your cry when you're asking to be raised in that newness of life. See, we've got to be careful that we just don't go our own way and then when things get tough, we cry out to God and expect Him to do something and then when the crisis passes, we just go our own way. No, God won't be mocked in that way. But we know if you earnestly desire to give your life to Him, He hears you and He's waiting for you. But either way, for all of us that know Him as Savior, God is faithful and Jesus is life and truth. And we need to turn to him. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you, Father, that you are faithful. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are life and that you are truth. And that, Father, you are there for us at all times. Father, I pray that we love you enough to go your way and not our way. That we, Lord God, love you enough that when we realize that we're going our own way, we stop and turn back to you. And Father, I pray that you work through us, that you use us for your will to accomplish your purpose, Lord God. And we praise you and thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Now may the peace of God which passes all understanding keep your hearts and minds and knowledge and love of God and of his son Jesus Christ our Lord and the blessing of God Almighty the Father the Son and the Holy Spirit be upon you and remain with you forever amen now let us go forth in the world rejoicing in the power of the Holy Spirit